Hey graduate, do you want a job? Well, just send us your CV, a covering letter, a life-size culture of our CEO, a YouTube video telling us your life story in 30 seconds, a 10,000 word essay on where you see the company in 100 years time, and a completed Rubik's Cube. Successful candidates will be invited to race to the summit of Mount Everest and bring us back the golden horn of the last remaining unicorn on Earth. Finalists must then battle it out in a 24-hour dance-off in Leicester Square. Interviews will take place on Christmas Day. Hello, welcome to Careers Talk. I'm Kerry Eustace. In this week's podcast, we'll be debating creative and challenging recruitment processes and asking, is it all unnecessary jumping through hoops or a good test of graduate skills? Plus, as we have no Julian Lindley this week, we'll be bringing you Dear Harriet and revealing the big questions you should ask yourself when you start looking for your first job. But first, as always, we've got a roundup of this week's careers news. Careers Crusaders, the dream team, Ali White <laughs> and Harriet Minter, are here to reveal the headlines. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. Very good. Ali, you usually start. What have we got? <laughs> okay, well, I've got the news that three in ten workers spend more than three hours a week searching for jobs at work, apparently, according to a study by Monster. Um, so some 16% actually spend more than five hours, but I found this quite shocking. Um, 7% admit scouring the web for work for 10 hours or more. Wow. I don't know. Two hours a day. <laughs> it was according to that about a survey of 2,000 employees. So one in four have carried out telephone interviews for another job while at work, while some actually admit to fabricating the death of a relative to get time off for interviews, which I think is a bit naughty. Ooh. But only one in ten have been caught by a boss or colleague. So that was quite sneaky. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> the majority are looking at the internet for roles and you know new jobs, but a large proportion also say they update their CVs and apply for roles while at work. But the experts are keen to point out it's really not a very good idea because, you know, it could, if you're caught, it could affect your reference or could even lead to disciplinary action or dismissal. But our job goddess, Claire Whitmore, had some advice for sensibly looking for a new work without your boss finding out. You know, don't make the mistake of becoming a model employee overnight and then asking for a reference a few days later. Because he said, yeah, it's better to get involved in career building activities, you know, stuff that might be useful for your next job anyway, like volunteering for committees or teams. And um, start dressing for the job you want because nothing screams interview louder than turning up in a smart suit when you're normally wearing jeans and a ripped t-shirt. I would absolutely agree with that one. I've carried suits in my rucksack before I changed in the loo. And then, you know, there's some other good tips there. Check it out. It's on the website. My story is a bit of a good news, bad news story. Um, And it is the fact that the West Midlands has been named the UK's employment hotspot. And I am a Midlander, so this was quite nice news for me. It's the leading spot for jobs for young people. And this is according to a survey by Apprenticeship Consultants Ethical Skills and Training. The survey also revealed that a large number of employers are not looking to increase the numbers of young people they employ or put onto their payroll in 2011. There's a few reasons behind that trend. And one of them is is that older workers are putting off retirement a bit longer and staying in their posts. I think we reported on that trend um, a few pods ago. And a separate survey has found out that to beat inflation, a lot of people are taking on multiple jobs um, to make more money. So, you know, some people have got two or three jobs, whereas some graduates have got no job. Mm -hmm. So it's the balance has been tipped. 
Among the top areas, so we've got the West Midlands and Scotland and London are also kind of been named as hotspots by this survey. But the places where the situation is found to be worst is in Yorkshire, um, the southwest, the southeast and the northeast, and also firms in the East Midlands and the northwest. Some of the employers were asked, you know, why they weren't going to be looking to employ young people. And they sort of blame things such as lack of experience and poor timekeeping and also an approach to to work so they also said that poor verbal and spoken communication skills were the reasons why they wouldn't be hiring so I wondered if there's a campaign in there somewhere there where we could kind of try and encourage small businesses to look at graduates but that's a different podcast um Reasons that the West Midlands topped the survey is that its um, manufacturing industry is growing, especially uh, around cars, and they're looking for skilled workers to meet growing export demands. And also small and medium-sized businesses are really driving the growth and that they're looking for people more than the larger companies. And I just there was just two things I wanted to say about the story. Is One, that I really liked it because um, I don't think the West Midlands is really viewed as a kind of desirable destination for work but Birmingham for example is a really exciting city it's got a really thriving creative industry so I think it's a really good place to look at. That's where you got your first job isn't it? Yes it is my first journalism job was in Birmingham and secondly it's a really good reminder of the opportunities that are available in some regions and a lot of the large accounting firms sometimes struggle to fill their vacancies outside of London so it's definitely always worth checking out what's going on outside of the city. That's me, Paige. Okay, well, I'm going to finish, and I'm going to finish by talking about postgraduate degrees and whether or not you should want to do them. I don't know if you've seen this week, but the Education Guardian has published its postgraduate guide, which looks at course fees, staff-to-student ratios, completion rates, and expenditure per student. So if you are thinking of doing a postgraduate course, it's definitely worth checking that out first. Um, And they've written an article about kind of the pros and cons of postgraduate degrees because obviously we're now in a position where students are graduating with huge amounts of debt anyway do you want to take on even more by doing either an MA or a PhD is it actually worth your time and they talked to one girl who had completed a master's degree in international marketing and is now working for Ogilvy who are a massive advertising company and she had some really interesting tips I thought she said pick the course for its industry links I knew the course director had regular contact with alumni working in marketing and that led to a lot of job opportunities so what's really interesting here is I think when lots of people pick their degree subjects they look at how prestigious the university is and what she's really saying is when you pick your masters make sure you're picking a course that's going to prepare you for the job you want to get Another really good tip she had was that she did work experience before she decided on doing a master's. So she already knew what job she wanted, she knew what skills were required, and she knew what she should be looking for in a course. There's no point really in doing a master's degree just for the sake of it. If you think that a master's degree is going to give you a job, you're wrong. What it should give you is either you should look, do you want to do a job that requires highly specialist knowledge, in which case definitely think about doing a master's because it's going to show that you are a specialist in a niche area or do you want to do a job that requires a particular skill set in which case is this course going to give you those skills obviously if you just want to do it because you love learning fantastic go for it I think it's just worth saying that um, the fees for postgraduate courses aren't exactly clear and um, out in the open at the moment a lot of the debate has been around undergraduate fee hikes so you know sort of keep your eyes peeled and try and find some information on what's going to happen there and what I did think was quite interesting was um, kind of looking at what your earning potential is without the master's degree so one of the things they point out is that to do an MBA is 
on average, 12,000 a year. And I think probably you'll find that 12,000 a year is quite a good deal to do an MBA. They are extortionately expensive. However, the earning potential of people who complete those courses is nearly triple the national average. So is it going to be worth doing the course in order to earn the salary you want at the end of it? Thanks very much. Now, dear Julian is taking a week off, so we're bringing you dear Harriet instead. Harriet has some wisdom on how to decide what to do for the rest of your life. We're starting off with a question from Lucy today. She says, Dear Harriet, I'm in my final year studying mathematics at York. I don't know what I want to do with myself after uni, though. I haven't found out what I want to do with my life or what area I want to work in. I don't want to start applying for graduate schemes just for the sake of it, though I'm concerned that if I take a bartending job for a while, it'll damage my prospects. Do you have any suggestions? So, Lucy, I do have some suggestions. I've got quite a few, in fact. Um, The first thing I would say is you are in a great situation because you're studying mathematics at York. That is fantastic. If you were an arts graduate and you didn't know what you wanted to do with your life, I'd say you'd be in a bit of a difficult position because, as we've mentioned several times in the pod, arts graduates are ten a penny. But there are far fewer mathematicians out there, and that puts you already at a massive advantage. Your skills are going to be really desired and really wanted, so that's a good thing. If you don't know what you want to do with your life, the first thing you've got to do is anything. Just go and do something. Go and stick a pin in the Guardian job section, and whatever job that comes out in, go and try and get some work experience in that area doesn't matter if you do it for a week and you hate it that's fine it's just for a week it's not for the rest of your life but it'll be one less job that you can cross off your list of potential jobs I think there's a real attitude and a real feeling that actually if you don't know what to do you've just got to sit there and work it out all by yourself and that's not the case actually the best thing you can do to help yourself is to go and ask other people so talk to your friends about what they're doing who else on your course has got a job lined up what are they going for If the answer to all that, you've done all that and you still have no ideas what you want to do, then this is the point when you need to start list making. So write a long list of every single job that you can think of. doesn't matter whether you want to do it or not, just put them all on a list and then start crossing off the ones you know you absolutely do not want to do. If you write a long enough list, you should be left with at least three or four at the end which you think you could possibly be interested in. I think that's going to give you a much clearer idea at least of the kind of things that you do and don't enjoy and that'll help you put some perspective on it. The other thing to remember is the likelihood is whatever job you get, it's not going to be your job for life. I think there's a real perception that your first graduate job is this big decision. If you get it wrong, it's going to affect the rest of your life. And that's just not the case. I know hundreds of people who have made very clear decisions upon graduating about exactly what they want to do. I've done it for two or three years and realised it's completely the wrong thing and I've changed their mind. So I have a friend who left university and was desperate to work in the charity sector, desperate to be a fundraiser. She went and she did. It's quite a tough job. It's long hours. It's lots of stress and it's very office based. And she was there working really, really hard and then realising that she didn't enjoy it. And she's now in Alaska climbing volcanoes and training to be a volcanologist, which is completely different. So it's not going to set you up for life, okay? If you do something and it's a mistake, you can always change your mind. There is no shame in that. The other thing, I think, is look at what you do like doing. What do you like doing in your free time? What clubs are you a part of? What do you do at weekends? What are you, you know, what books do you read? What section of the paper do you read first? Those are going to be the kind of things that you're really interested in. And you can look at doing them as a career. 
I have a very good friend again who was desperately into photography and I think he actually did a geography degree but he loved, loved, loved photography and he loved cars. And so upon graduating, he turned up at the office of a very large car magazine and offered to work for free on their picture desk and then basically refused to leave until they employed him. And he's now the editor for that particular publication. If he needs some money, go and get a job. It doesn't matter doing what. I'm not going to tell you to sit around not earning and making yourself feel depressed. Go and get a bar job. That's fine. You're going to show that you're employable for a start. You're going to show that you've got commitment to what can be a really tough job. You're going to show that you've got customer service skills. Those are all really good skills that you could then transfer onto the whatever the next job is. However, do not go and do something that's going to make you miserable and that's going to stop you from looking for something else. So to sum up, you're in a great position. You're in high demand. You've got lots and lots of transferable skills. But if you really don't know what you want to do, do something. So good luck and I hope you find something and do come back and let us know how you get on. That was Harriet Minter, Head of Community Engagement for Guardian Professional. Right, so listen to this. It's an excerpt from one of our recent graduate view blogs by Charlotte Frenchman. She was writing about the lengths she'd been asked to go to in her job search before landing her first role in PR. I've taken spelling tests, grammar tests and psychometric tests. I've presented to camera, written news articles, prepared a sample PR strategy and been asked how I would maximise the profits of a cinema in one day. I've been asked what animal best describes my personality and what I'd say if the interviewers told me I hadn't performed as well as they'd expected. Applying to get onto a competitive graduate scheme has never been a walk in the park, but we are increasingly seeing that for some recruiters, especially in the marketing and communications industries, a CV, a covering letter or application form is no longer enough. A recent piece in the Guardian Work Supplement reported on this rising trend, highlighting schemes such as the Aventis, which was an apprentice-style series of challenges set to test event management grads vying for a top job. There's also the well-known Saatchi and Saatchi grad scheme, which among many tasks asked candidates to recreate their favourite TV ads and post the videos on YouTube. The whole trend was summed up rather nicely by Lucy Tobin in that same work piece. She said... The new way to recruit is to think like Simon Cowell or do a Lord Sugar. Turn a job interview into a reality TV style set of tasks. Ask for poems, songs, presentations or videos and even encourage voting for the winner. So to discuss this trend a little further, we've invited a recruiter and a grad in to share their views and experiences. So hello to Callum Saunders, Digital Marketing Manager at the Stopgap Group, which is a marketing recruitment agency, and also budding marketing or advertising professional Amy Wordsworth, who you may remember we interviewed a few pods ago about her career goals. Hello both. Hello. How are you doing? Well, thank you. Good, good. Um, So just to start off, can I just ask you what you think of creative recruitment processes in a nutshell Amy do you think that they're kind of a big stretch it's sort of jumping through hoops or is it a good way to test skills of candidates um I think it's it's quite necessary now to be able to like prove your worth um I think for the advertising marketing industry it's very competitive anyway and um most job roles do require an element of creativeness so I think that 
to be able to show your creative side and be able to advertise and market yourself as a prospective employee. I think that's um, a really important part of uh, the recruitment process now. Yeah, so you're prepared to go to those lengths? Yeah, then. I think I am, yes. Okay. Well, I am. <laughs> um, Callum, what about you? What do you think about this new trend for quite challenging applications? I'd agree with uh, a lot of what Amy said. Um, we know that graduates are facing a really difficult market at the moment. Um, and whether you're running an internal graduate scheme or something with your clients like we're doing, um, there's going to be so many graduates applying, so you really need a way to kind of, you know, differentiate the people that are really passionate about it and really, really want to apply. You know, you've just um, you just mentioned that you've got a scheme up and running, and you actually created quite a funny video to accompany the application process. We're going to hear a little bit of that now. Britain's marketing graduates are facing a challenging market. With a decrease in jobs and heightened competition, it's essential for budding marketers to obtain some demonstrable experience. Lord Sugar is on hand to help these graduates with the launch of a new national scheme. Do you want to tell us a bit more about what you're doing, Callum, at StopGap? Yeah, well, um, you know, StopGaps was founded in 1993, so we've been going for nearly two decades now. And and traditionally, we've never been involved with graduates too much. But with everything that's sort of going on in the market at the moment, we really thought, right, this summer... We should, you know, draw upon that network of clients and, you know, run a scheme for graduates that gives them the opportunity to get their first foot on the career ladder. So we've launched Stopgap Apprentice and we've teamed up with some of our clients um, to launch a range of internships lasting for six weeks each. And obviously these are going to be paid because that's another huge debate at the moment. Absolutely. So what do you have to do to get the apprentice? Well, we're, lo- we're looking for kind of, you know, people to send in something creative to us, whether it's a 60 second YouTube video in a similar sort of vein to the one that we've, we've just heard, or whether it's um, a written 60 second pitch about yourself or a, a photo story that demonstrates why you should be a stopgap apprentice. So we, we really just want to see something really creative and fun. Amy, you've recently gone through one of these processes yourself, haven't yeah, you, for SarchyX. Yeah. Tell us what you had to do and what the scheme is. Okay, um, well, SarchyX is a shopper marketing part of Sachi and Sachi, and they created their recruitment process, which was the lift pitch. So basically, we had to go down to their office and pitch to them in a lift for 30 seconds <laughs> as to why um, we should get a job in advertising. And then following that, um, if we were successful, we got invited down to a boot camp, which was... uh, That sounds scary. It it was a little bit intimidating, but it was so fun. We got split into teams, um, and we had to work on a live brief, and then we had to pitch to members of the agency um, our ideas. Can you remember what you said in the lift? I'm really intrigued. Yeah, well, um, in the run-up to, before the lift pitch, I thought I'd try and create a bit of like energy around it. So um, I created a campaign, um, which I put on my website, and did loads of really stupid videos as to what I could do in 30 seconds. Ate as many cakes as I could and ridiculous <laughs> things like that. Um, but then when it came down to the day, I pitched myself as the Sachi Sunflower and kind of wrote a um, a poem as to I wanted them to plant uh, my seed and could they be my root <laughs> and um, gave off all this spiel but it seemed to work um, I created like a bag as well with like the sunflower image um, like a shopping bag um, so I went through an awful lot of uh, lengths were you actually in well. a lift as yeah, well yeah yeah we <laughs> an actual lift <laughs> um, well you obviously made a good impression because you've won a place haven't you yeah yeah 
Um, and I, presumably that role was worth the effort for, for you. Definitely. Um, and I just found it such a, re- a refreshing change, really, from the standard CV interview process, um, which was really getting quite tiresome because I've been through a lot. Um, and it was just so nice to get involved in something that was real and to be able to show like what I was capable of. Now, that's a really interesting point that Amy's made, isn't it, Callum? You know, she's actually produced some work. I mean, why did you decide to um, ask candidates to make a video? What was kind of your motivation behind that? Yeah, I mean, obviously in, in marketing and advertising as a kind of job function, many of the your situations are going to be dealing with problems, coming up with solutions. So, so one part of that is, is demonstrating physically that you know you can do that, but it's also um, you know graduates are applying for lots and lots and lots of different kind of internships and openings. And I think that you know getting graduates to actually you know produce something creative it shows their kind of commitment to one of the places that you're offering. What's your response been like? Because I know when we spoke earlier this week, you hadn't had any videos in yet. I mean, do you... No, we, we've we've got a few now um, since we last spoke. But, it, you know, we were hoping that, you know, the, the floodgates would open. But since speaking to, you know, my brothers at university, we've been speaking to kind of professionals at work with them. And we found out that um, a lot of people are actually quite nervous about putting themselves in videos when they're looking for a job because they've been warned that, you know, if they're on social media and it perceived to be done badly then it could be quite detrimental to their kind of career prospects. I also wonder if there's something about it not being a level playing field so we ask graduates do you think we say can you create a website can you create a video and actually the likelihood is there are people out there who could probably learn how to do that quite quickly but have never had the opportunity to be taught. Are we perhaps limiting the number of people who can actually go out and apply for these things that actually have the technical tools to do that? Is that really fair? I don't know. Well, that, well that's why that's why we've kind of changed it. We launched it two two weeks ago, and it's sort of running all throughout June. Um, and and as you said, we you know after conversations with you know with friends and colleagues and people, we thought, right, okay, you don't you don't need to have a video camera to be creative. So that's why we've said you can you know produce a photo story, write a pitch of yourself. You know, everyone's got access to a pen and paper. So, you know, it is it's the idea that's more important rather than the medium. What do you think, Amy? Because I think these challenges have obviously played to your skills because yeah. you respond to them really well. But do you agree that some candidates might struggle with the platforms? Um, well, to be honest, like I'm, I'm really not that technical, and um, I had no idea really how to build a website. Um, following like in my degree we were never taught anything along those lines that was kind of something that I did myself and uh, I decided to go about that just to tell how did you do it then how did you learn how to do it what did you use because I've seen your website and it looks really good um I just like um went on google I think you know I just picked up tips from like online forums and blogs and um I did I went on the step-by-step guide that I found online so the internet really did play a big part I think it helped show that I was being resourceful in the way that um, I was trying to improve myself, like following my, my degree. I want to ask you both what you think the benefits for employers and candidates are of um, taking this kind of approach, what it kind of shows. Like Amy's just talked about it, it proves how resourceful she is. What do you think, Callum? From, from an employer's perspective, you know, if they've got 100 CVs or 10 kind of pieces of creative material whether they're videos or kind of you know blogs or websites then that that gives employers the benefits of being able to choose that you know the people that they think is really suited to their business from a kind of ideas perspective and a cultural perspective. I wondered whether 
I, I agree that they these processes are really really great way to prove what you're capable of. But I also wonder whether they're adding pressure to already really tough conditions that graduates are under. You know, there are few jobs, and they're probably feeling quite depressed about that situation, and they've probably got a lot to do sort of holding down other jobs. I mean, H, do you think it's kind of a big ask? I think it is a big ask, particularly I think if you're a final year university student and you're dealing with exams, you're dealing with the pressure of probably having to move. All you're getting from the media is it's difficult getting a job you're never going to get a job you're being bombarded and you're being told left right and center it's not enough just to write your cv it's not enough to just write a good application form i think that's quite tough and i think there's also something about which the work article brought out which is we've turned employing people into a kind of x factor type show does that mean we're only really attracting one type of people does that mean that we're only attracting those people that are really confident that want to be out there selling themselves marketing themselves you know we then end up with a kind of imbalance in your workplace you need you need a bit of everyone I think Callum do you have any thoughts on that yeah I mean from my perspective you know working purely in the in the marketing sector you know this whole kind of x factor thing like you said without wanting to put graduates on the spot I think it it works very well with that you know, type of industry sort of being out there, being showing that you've got ideas, being creative. But but like you said, you know, for, for other sectors sort of like IT or research, like you were saying, then those particular skill sets, you know, doing something like a video of yourself would not be an accurate representation. So I completely agree with what you're saying. I think different, you know, courses for horses. Well, Amy, what tips would you share? Because you clearly made a good impression on a really big, amazing <coughs> company. So what what would you, what advice would you offer to other graduates? Um, in this industry, I think it's important that you need to stand out and you just, just go to extra, the extra lengths, go the extra mile. Um, I started off just by handing out the standard CV and it really didn't get me anywhere, which is why I set up the website and it had a really good response and just to be able to market yourself um, and know, know your own strengths, I think, um, know what you're good at and work on that. Um, and Callum, what about sort of from a recruiter's perspective, what are you going to be looking for if somebody is submitting an application in this fashion? Well, I think that um, whereas graduates, they you know, applying for several different things, so I understand the pressures they're applying for, you know, maybe 10, 20 different roles. From a recruitment perspective, we're handling, say, if you've got one vacancy, and every single application that comes in for that is in relation to that vacancy. So, you know, if you see someone, you can you can tell if someone's applying for 20 jobs with the same letter. So if you get something that's really tailored, whether that's a really tailored cover letter or something creative like a video, then you know that people are really engaging with that opportunity. So, you know, you're immediately drawn to that person. Thanks very much. It was really interesting. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, we've rounded up the top 10 jobs and pod first-timer and Guardian Jobs executive Daniel Heath is joining Ali to reveal the chart. Rocking in at 10, it's a marketing executive with worldwide business research. At number 9, it's the University of Exeter looking for a head of marketing. And at 8, West Mill Foods wants senior brand managers. In at 7, Real Recruitment Limited is searching for an account manager. It's a graduate sales and marketing assistant via step at six. While at five, Lucy Cavendish College wants a communication and marketing manager. Dimensions wants an executive director of marketing and business development at four. It's a brand manager from Handle Recruitment at three. Pimp to the post at two, Big White Wall wants a social marketing and client engagement manager. While coming in at numero uno this week is a director of marketing and communications at City University London. 
And finally, here's what we've got coming up on the site next week. Right, on Monday the 20th of June, we have a graduate CV clinic. Tuesday the 21st of June is Stop Gap Jobs versus Holding Out for Your Dream Job. And on Friday the 24th of June, we've got graduate career options in hospitality. That brings us to the end of the pod. Thanks to our guests, Callum Saunders and Amy Wordsworth, Daniel Heath from Guardian Jobs, and to the studio team, Harriet Minter and Ali White. Careers Talk was produced by Sarah Cudden. I'm Kerry Eustace. Goodbye.